Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. You're listening to the Believe in Islanders show with Matt Watney. That's right, another Believe in the Islanders podcast coming at you on a Thursday morning or a really late Wednesday night if you're up as late as I am. But we thank you for joining us here on the show. And if you if you want to chime in or chat with us at all, you know, give me a drop me a DM at Matt Wiley99 at Believe in Isles. Give us a shout, whatever you want to say. Get you get your voice or your your text heard on the show. So give us a listener, give us a ring, I should say. A lot going on here on the show today, of course, after the New York Islanders take down the Rangers 3-0, which was a more important win than you might than just the average rivalry win after the team starts the week 0-3. We'll get to that in a moment. We'll look ahead with the team that they're going up against later on for next week and also an awesome conversation with Stefan Rosner of NYI Hockey Now. Just a guy new to the beat. Talked to him about you know traveling for the first time, seeing the team out in Florida. He was down there for the game. Touched a little bit on Kiefer Bellis, who ended up getting waived on Wednesday. So that's a little, I don't want to say irrelevant, but kind of a conversation that happened before that move was made. But before we get all to that, and we've got so much more, you know, the top five, bottom five, the news that you want to hear from around the NHL, we'll start with this game against New York Rangers. And boy, does that take the sting out of a week that was borderline would send you into a panic. In 0-4 week, if you lose to this team, then the, the Rangers, your rival, would have been absolutely, I don't want to say embarrassing, but all panic sets in. And I told you guys last week, don't panic. It's okay. Well, if you go 0-4, and then you've got Carolina and Colorado coming up in your next two games, I'll let you panic a little bit. Because, look, if you lose those games somehow, you're 1-5. That's not good by any stretch of the imagination. But going 0-6 is somehow even worse, right? That's what Vancouver has done to themselves, going 0-5-2 to start the season. And they're already talking about they don't know how they're going to get themselves out of that hole. So if you go 0-5 in a stretch or 0-6 in a stretch, I don't really know how you're getting out of that hole either. So good on the Islanders for playing a game. Maybe it wasn't their best game, right? You, you allowed 41 shots, but you did enough to get yourself the win. And let's just dive right into it. You're outshot 41-29, but the story of this game is Ilya Sorokin. That dude is a bona fide stud. I mean, come on. There's not much else you can say about him. He was so good in the first. There was a stretch of nine consecutive shots for the Rangers. He stopped all nine. He stopped all 41 in the shutout. He stopped Capo Caco from having a highlight reel, a top 10 sports center type goal, where he undressed three Islander players, including Mayfield was out there. I think I saw Clutterbuck, too. And then he had a, a sneaky good save earlier in the period on Julian Gauthier and then stopped Panarin in the second. Those were a couple that really stood out. But this was a game that I don't want to say was won by Ilya Sorokin because the Rangers did give up three goals, and that's a decent number, right? If the Islanders can give me three goals a game, I like my chances to win. You'd obviously like a fourth. But in this game, when you were getting that goaltending from Sorokin, and I think most importantly, you didn't have too many turnovers. Right? There are some odd man chances allowed. Early on in that game, there was four odd man rushes combined for both teams in the first five minutes. 
and it's starting to tighten up a little bit, and the Islanders started to give up a little more shots as it did tighten up. But you didn't see turnovers near the blue line. You didn't see a lot of odd man rushes in that second and third period. A lot of sustained pressure for the Rangers, but it didn't feel super dangerous. And I don't know if natural stat trick here has the numbers from this game, but I am very curious. Let's see. Expected goals for the Rangers, 3.53. For the Islanders, 2.21. High danger chances, 16 for the Rangers to 8 for the Islanders. So the Islanders capitalized on what they were facing was a backup goaltender in Yaroslav Halak, who the Islanders know all too well. I don't know how much better Shesterkin would have been because he historically has not been very good against the Islanders. But it really came down to the Islanders' goaltending. And that's something that you saw the Rangers steal a lot of games last season. And the Islanders were able to do that here. 41 saves is a lot. And I'd like to bring that number down, but I was talking to a good friend of mine after the game. And he said, look, like the Rangers put up a lot of shots. So what do you really expect the Islanders to do? The Rangers are a possession team. They, they get those shots off. You know, they take those chances and get odd man rushes that in their favor. And they sometimes give them back the other way. But usually their goaltender is there to make the saves. And tonight he wasn't. But again, just a, a hat tip to one Ilya Sorokin. Because he is special, man. He's the kind of guy, if you look at this team and how far they can go, they might be the Rangers of last year. Just, I guess, with less scoring, right? They don't have Panarin, which is unfortunate. They don't have some of the talent that the Rangers have. But the Islanders could be that team. They could be that kind of surprise-ish team that goes and makes a run. I'd buy it. But just to talk about this game at large, maybe the offensive side of things, Palmieri scoring two goals is huge because he... Last year, didn't score through the first 14 games of the season. Now he's got two after game seven. Can he get on a roll? And, you know, his role might be a goal every three games. But you know what? If he scores a goal every three games for 82 games, that's 25 goals. And I'll take that from Palmieri. Would I like more? Absolutely. But it just doesn't seem like that's the style that he plays anymore. Josh Bailey getting a goal was, was so key and, and good on him. Game number 999. Should have been game 1,000. I've got a, a really strong take on him after the interview with Stefan Rosner, so stay tuned for that, talking about the Islanders and their franchise as a whole. But for Josh Bailey to score that, score that second goal is so big for this team because you knew what the story would have been. You're up one nothing. Bailey gets a good chance. He doesn't finish it, which not really his fault. He tipped it in, right? That was a great play by him to, to find an open seam and to find a breakdown in the range defense. And that's a defense that's not that good. They've got some pieces. You like Miller, you like Fox, you like Truba. But when you put them all together, sometimes the ingredients don't make a better meal. And that's kind of what the Rangers defense is at this point. But Josh Bailey to get that goal is huge because this Rangers team, it felt like you they were about to blow the damn wide open offensively. And if they're doing that and they're tying the game 1-1 versus you know still being down 2-1, maybe they've got momentum on their side. But they honestly had time on their side in that scenario. And that's why... A play like that and a goal like that, frankly, is so important for the Islanders in that game. Also some news from the Islanders earlier this week. We kind of touched on it. They waived Kiefer Bellows. Kind of makes sense. I just, I don't want to get too far into it. If your 13th forward is what you're kind of banking on to give you goals or to do something for you, you've got a problem. Even if Bellows is your 13th forward, which frankly he's not now that he's been waived, or you've got Johnson and Sashnikov above him, 
Neither of those three should be playing regularly at this point in their careers. I'm kind of surprised Bellows wasn't given the chance. But based on the way the team's constructed, he doesn't make it. And I, and I understand it. I don't think he gets claimed. He might by the time you're hearing this. But with the way that the salary cap has been flat for the last couple of years, almost every team is up against it. Why are they going to take on $1.2 million, million contract for a 13th forward? Not even. A guy that couldn't crack the lineup of a team that can barely score a goal. But now let's get to what's, what happened earlier in this week. And this is why that winning against the Rangers was so important. Because 0-4 is embarrassing. 1-3, not good, but you stole a game from a division rival. That puts you up four points in the swing against the Rangers, a team you're going to be fighting for to make the playoffs. So winning that game is big. Because early in the week, you were embarrassed by the Devils. You were outshot by more than double, 43-17. And look, the Devils are a pretty good team. They're averaging like 22 shots allowed per game. But you didn't show up. And I could accept a game where you lose 3-1 and you're outshot 35-17 or 30-17. But you flat out, did not, flat out did not show up. And that's a tough loss to have. Now looking at the Florida games, and we'll group them kind of as a whole because that's a back-to-back. -back and you kind of like that trip as a way to test yourselves, right? Tampa, a very good team. The Panthers, a very good team. We don't do more victories here. We don't do when you're trying to make the playoffs. But that was a stretch against the Panthers and the Lightning. That was a two-game stretch where I thought you played pretty well. You could have won both games. Now, the downside is in that Tampa game, you had some pretty bad penalties that frankly, or turnovers, I should say, that should not happen. Sashnikov's turnover with 10 seconds left in a period is atrocious. You've got to have a smarter head. You've got to know to get the puck in deep or just hold on to it. You don't need to do anything fancy with it. And the fact that Nick Ball scores goal with one second left was a kick to the cubes that the Islanders were never coming back from. I could have told you you're winning, winning that game the moment that goal went in. And you made it competitive, but at the end of the day, you lost the game when their backup goaltender was in net. And frankly, when you're not facing Andre Vasilevsky, you've got to beat Tampa. Because that's a goaltender, Brian Elliott, who's a nice piece. He's a good goaltender, but he's like 38 years old, guys. Like You've got to score more goals than three on Brian Elliott. As for the Panthers, your power play was fantastic. Lee scored two goals, and hopefully you can get him going too. Because if some of these older guys can get going and they start to get on a roll, that's huge. I don't think Brock Nelson has a goal yet. That'd be nice. But if Lee can score and Paul Marius can, can score, that would be a huge plus for this team. You know, you show some offense. And, and really the mistakes that were the most embarrassing thing or the frustrating thing for this team against those two teams in Florida and Tampa was that a lot of the goals were just because you were puck watching, especially against the Panthers. And when that happens, it's just same old Islanders. Like, it happens all the time. You're caught puck watching, a guy gets in behind you, and he scores a goal. And that was with Barry Trotz, that was without Barry Trotz, and it's got to get better somehow. Because this team's not good enough to overcome a three-goal deficit against a team like the Panthers that happens to goal them. But it is early. And you're not in a bad shape. Tampa Bay is in worse shape than you. They've got a barely any points. You know, if we pull up the standings here real quickly, and it's, it's super early, I don't want to talk about it. The Islanders are tied with Tampa. They're tied with the Canadians. They're tied in points with Winnipeg, with the Blues. And now they're, they've got one game in hand on the Rangers, and they're two points back. So you win that game in hand, and now you're in the mix. But again, it's super early. But for the Islanders to come out and be three and four after seven games, you can overcome that. You can. 
it's it's not a position where you're going to set yourself back. And it feels like for the first month of this season for the Islanders, you want to be in the mix. So if you're hovering around 500, a little above it, that's okay. Because you know what? At the end of the day, a lot of teams, when you're NHL 500 or just above it, and you've got the loser point in hand, and maybe the Islanders should start taking a, uh, you know, a, you know, a note card out of uh, the John Tortorella handbook and start just start going to uh, overtime 24-7. Maybe that helps you out a little bit. But this is a team where you bang points and you can make a run and make a push because they're going to be all in at the deadline. If they're within five points of striking distance, maybe even further back, that's okay. But again, it's time to bang points, and the Islanders did that on Wednesday. They couldn't do it any other night, and it's just got to be sorted, hopefully by the time you finish up against Carolina and Colorado. Try to get some points. We'll touch on that a little bit more after the Stefan Rosner interview. But quickly, we'll run through some puck headlines for the week. Phil Kessel is your new Ironman. On Tuesday, he passed Keith Yandel for 990 straight games. And what do you know? He scores his 400th goal in that game against San Jose in the 4-2 win. This is an awesome story for Phil because you hear kind of the, the rumblings from Tampa or Toronto media, and he's lazy, and he's a slob, and he's a little overweight. But you know what? Phil Kessel's played almost 1,000 straight games. That is unbelievable. In a sport that is so violent and so physical, for him to play in 990 straight games is awesome. I would have loved to see him in an Islanders jersey. He would have brought speed to any of the lines. He can play up and down the lineup. He can match the speed of Matt Barzell. He can carry a third line with Pajot and maybe carry the puck himself and create some space for Pajot and whoever else is on that line. But it seemed like he wanted to stay in the West Coast. So congrats to Phil Kessel. And one really cool story from these 990 games is that one of those games, he played one shift, got off the ice, and flew had the Arizona Coyotes fly him to where his wife was giving birth. So good on the Coyotes. Speaking of that team, they'll play their first game at Arizona State at Mullet Arena, an absolutely unreal name on Friday. 5,000 seats. It looks like a college. looks like my arena at Oswego, where I went to school, because it basically is. That'll be pretty cool. It's kind of a laughing stock for the fans, but it is pretty cool. Uh, one last note. Obviously, we've touched on the Canucks being 05 and 2. We'll touch on them in the top five, bottom five. One last story coming out of the Cam and Strick podcast is former bench boss Barry Trotz. He had a quote and he said, Original six for me. I've never coached an original six team. That would intrigue me. The Canadian teams, you're under a microscope. You sort of are in New York too. Is he talking Leafs? Is our guy, Barry Trotz, going to go join up with John Tavares and coach the Leafs? That might make me rethink my Stanley Cup pick. If he if he somehow joins the Leafs and can fix their defensive schemes midway through the season, if if their head coach gets fired, I don't think he will. But if Dubas is that desperate in the last year of his contract, he might. Barry Trotz could be a guy that puts them over the edge. And that would be a good hire for them, too. Like That might even be an upgrade over Sheldon Keefe. But as an Islanders fan, I don't really want to see Trotz leave. He wouldn't be, you know, not a traitor or anything, but just would be kind of tough. Wouldn't love it. But again, it's his choice. Obviously, he was fired. Whole nine yards. And I'm just excited to see Barry Trotz get back in the league whenever he does. Hopefully, it's not with the Leafs. Maybe he could be with a West Coast team, one that we like. But good on Trotz if he's able to land a job with an original six team. And with that in mind, we'll take a quick break here. We'll chat with Stefan Rosner of NYI Hockey Now. So take us back through that weekend in Florida. You know, the team's coming off an embarrassing loss to the Devils. 
and then they drop a pair of games, which was kind of surprising. Was there an urgency issue? Was it a, you know, was it a skill issue? You know, you, you kind of hope that it's not a skill issue, but what did you kind of see from those two games? Yes, yeah, so the Devils game was atrocious. I mean, there's only one way to put it. The effort level wasn't there from the start. And unfortunately, that's that's not, well, it's not unfortunate. It's not acceptable. You know, you see, this is an Islanders team that, that was the schedule coming up. Tampa, Florida, Rangers, Carolina, Colorado. Now the Devils are a bad team. They're a solid team. They have to prove themselves, but they've played well. That's a game you have to have, and you don't have that one. You got into Florida, the effort level, the urgency, much better against Tampa. I thought they actually outplayed Tampa, but a couple of turnovers in their own zone led to a couple of goals. You had the, the backbreaker goal after the Soshnikov turnover. That sinks them in that game. That was pretty much the backbreaker. Gave the gave the Tampa Lightning a lead going into the third, and that, and that was that. And then you look at the Panthers game, and Again, major turnover early. Varlamov can't make a save that he probably needs to make, and the Islanders eventually lose that game. So effort level was good this weekend. It wasn't as bad as it was against the Devils, but it comes down to skill level and also capitalizing on your chances. And again, the offense wasn't really there when it needed to be a a couple of goals late against Florida with power play, but you're seeing an Islanders team that a lot of lineup changes early. And, you know, unfortunately, that's something that bad teams do. They change lineups often. I'm not saying the Islanders are a bad team, but right now they're struggling. You get the Rangers tomorrow, probably that, not that it's a must-win game early in the year, but that's a game where you have to be urgent from from the start. There's no excuse to not be ready to go for, for a rivalry game. Right. And obviously we're recording this on a Tuesday, trying to get it before, you know, pretty busy day for you on Wednesday, I'd imagine. And we'll, we'll touch on the Ranger game after this interview here on the Believe in the Islanders podcast. And obviously we talk about some of the negatives through the first, you know, these last three games and it's what a handful of game losing streak. There's not a lot of positives to take out of it, but going toe to toe at Tampa Bay, you know, watching the game from where I was sitting at home, it, it felt like, I don't want to say they outplayed them, but they played pretty well. Did you take any positives away from that weekend? Oh, for sure. I, I thought they stuck with them. Again, you look at that game, that game is just a couple of turnovers. You have Scott Mayfield's turnover leads to the uh, Tampa's first goal. Then you have the Shashnikov goal, which kind of buried them, sucked some life out of them. And they were playing quite well. And again, that's a Tampa team that was on a second of a back-to-back that had to grind. And Cooper said after the game, because we were doing work in the room that they were interviewing him, he said, you know, we weren't great tonight. We weren't perfect. We had a lot of mistakes, but we found ways to win. Unfortunately, the Islanders are finding ways to lose. But yeah, I thought against Tampa, effort level was fine. They just, they didn't, they didn't capitalize on the Tampa's mistakes, but Islanders made more mistakes. And Tampa, Tampa's not a team you could do that to. No, and, and Tampa a really good team, regardless of what they've been through. And it feels like they've kind of struggled a little out of the gate. I believe they did that a couple within the last few years as well. But getting back to the Islanders and a guy that hasn't really made his mark in this lineup is Keeper Bellows. And you had a really interesting story on him, I believe, earlier today or earlier in this week. Maybe not getting a look this season. You see him in practice. Do you see anything in practice from him? Or if not, what do you, what is kind of Lane Lambert, you know, see? Cause obviously you spoke to him about Keeper Bellows. Yeah. So first off, Keeper Bellows, when we talked to him this summer after signing his contract in late August, I think it was the 22nd, the confidence, you could feel it. You could feel how confident he was. And it's okay. You're that confident. Now let's see on the ice. He came in flying. He looked great. He looked fast. His shot was electric. He was doing everything he needed to do. And he won the job to start opening. Walsh from comes into lineup plays very, very well. Saturday, Josh Bailey gets benched. Lambert goes with Shashnikov, not Bellows, not Johnston. Okay, understandable. Tampa's a fast team. Shashnikov was getting put in there to be, be a spark. Sunday, though, okay, you will Bell get a chance on Sunday. Anthony Bavilli comes out, a fast player, and that's Florida team is a physical team, but they're fast as well. Ross Johnston comes in. All right, was there more to the key for Bellows thing? Because as much as Johnston's a physical guy, Bellows, I think, had 115 hits last year. 
can hit. He added that element to his game, and you think that would deserve him of, of more minutes. Again, this is he did nothing wrong, which I don't truly believe that, that he didn't do anything wrong on opening night. A lot of things was the first goal, actually. But again, that's what he said is not he didn't do anything. So then you, you think, okay, why didn't Bellows get in? And again, Lambert's going to say stuff the whole year that he doesn't mean. He just tells us how he's going to work in the media. And unfortunately for us on the media side, we got to take with what he's giving us. So um, you look at you look at the game, and Bellows probably deserves the next chance. Shoshkov is not good. I could so see him being the guy that goes on waivers, whether he passes through or not. We'll find out. I don't think it was great. You know, he had an elbowing penalty. Bellows has done everything right. The question is, like, when will he get his chance? Right. And and obviously just getting off this topic and looking at another young player we've kind of mentioned is Oliver Wallstrom. What's the biggest difference this year with Wallstrom? Obviously, you're, you're in the locker room now versus last year, but in terms of the first couple of games he's played, what have you seen from him? There's weight lifted off his shoulders. Obviously, we could go back to the, the Trot scenario, and every time Trot's had a chance to bash from the media, whether he was trying to feel him or not, he did that. Anytime Wallstrom made a mistake, he was benched. And when you're scared to make mistakes, you make more mistakes. And that's what we saw from Wallstrom last year. So with Lambert at the helm, obviously someone who's been around since 20 years there, Wallstrom is being the, giving the chance to correct Today, I have a piece over at NY Hockey Now. You know, how did Wallstrom get to the top line already? Which is, again, great for him. Something that the Islander fans have been waiting Why? He's making a mistake, but he's being allowed by Lambert to go back in the game and fix his game. So I'm starting on the third line. Halfway through that game, he's in the second line. Scores a big goal late in the second period. Scores another one in the third period. He's got three goals and an assist. He shoots the puck at the game on Sunday, he had zero turnovers. And I asked Lambert about that. And he goes, yeah, he's doing the little things. And that's what he wasn't doing under Trot. So I'm going to but those little things to grasp the, the system, he Wallstrom wasn't doing and running those things. And he's earning the minutes. And now you get a chance with Barzal. And, we'll, you know, he played last year with Barzal. He didn't make it count. We'll see if this year he does. Again, free year, I talked to Barzal. I said, if, hey, you're playing with Wallstrom. What do you want to see from him? Because he's a shooter. Do you want him to do that? So... We'll see if Wilson does get the chance against him. I think he will, but he'll be going against the top defenseman pairing. He's got to move the puck quick. He's got to make quicker decisions. So we'll see where he goes, but he's had a great start. I look at all the positives. He's probably, besides the way Sorokin's played, Wilson's got to be probably the next positive on that list. Right. And we're talking with Stefan Rosner of NYI Hockey now here on the Believe in the Islanders podcast. Have you noticed any visible difference from either the system or the way the team is, is maybe not ran, but on the ice between Lane Lambert and Barry Trotz. Yeah. So right off the bat, much more aggressive. You have D and uh, forwards not leaving their zone as quickly. So let's say that, let's say for example, Tampa got the puck and this is what that downer struggled to play against the devils because they never had the puck and you can't play your system in the other team's game. And the other team just runs over you, which is essentially what we saw against the devils. But what you're seeing is forwards are leave, not leaving the zone as quick. So let's say the or Tampa or another team picks it up. They're not getting back. It's what they did under Trotz because they're getting got to get into that defensive system. They're staying at the blue line, and we saw it a couple of times early in the year, whether it was against Florida, Anaheim, San Jose, is forward passes as the other team tried to break out, and that was extended zone time, getting the plays up. Also, the defense early again. This is early in the year because they haven't had the puck, shooting the puck more from the getting pucks on net. I mean, no two goals in the game. Scott Mayfield, two goals. You know, Salo had two goals. Obviously, Salo is now with Bridgeport, but you're getting more production from your defense and your forwards are being more aggressive. The problem is 10 turnovers already. He's hitting people like crazy blocking shots, but he's a very aggressive player. And Dobson is, over the years, has played with Boychuk, Green, and Chara, guys that have stayed back to help his development and play more defensive style. And Dobson's used to stepping. 
the problem is Romanov's used to stepping. We're seeing Romanov step while Dobson's already up. Right, and you touched on the de- defensive struggles. Defense wasn't great last year either. We know what the top line can be. You kind of touched on Dobson and, and Romanov, and, and they should be able to figure it out at some point. They both got that talent. They're a little raw, so hopefully they have some learn- room to grow. That sixth defender is kind of rotated between Ajo and Salo. And Sal, obviously, Ajo not waiver eligible, so he gets the the sixth spot here with Mayfield. How is how is that deep pair look? Because going into the season, that was the biggest question: was Mayfield playing alongside one of those younger defenders? Like you said, which is why he's done in the minors. So Sal won the, he won the job probably before even day one of training camp. He was the only one that got a chance with Mayfield. He played well. Lambert wanted to see because last year, you know, he had highs good and he had lows when he's really, really bad. The speed of the game caught up to him again. It was only his first year in North America. So that's an adjustment period in itself. I had it gone so far as the same thing. It wasn't consistent. Highs were very high. Lows were lows. Mayfield wasn't helping the cause. He had struggled as well. And Sebastian Ajo goes in. And I thought Sebastian Ajo played really well against Tampa. I thought he he was great. He got activated out of IR for that game. And I thought he played pretty well against Florida. Not amazing, but a couple of turnovers, one end of that eventually. But overall, he's played well. And I think what's, they know what Ajo is. As much as Ajo might not be the defensive defenseman the team needs, skating, he's drawing penalties. He, he is playing better. And he also has NHL experience. And I think with the struggles of Romanov and Dobson, you rather have another veteran guy on the back end as your, as your bottom pairing. Because again, you having those guys make rookie mistakes and still learning. And then you also have Sally doing that. And you're in a time in your game where you need someone that can at least has played NHL minutes and let Salo play and continue to develop. I think he'll be back very soon. Cause I think, like I said, I think Shashnikov is probably going to be one that ends up on, on waivers for the sake of bringing Salo back up because you don't want to run 60, especially if you do end up going on the road, you don't want to be caught and have an emergency situation. So I think for now it's Ajo's. Um, we'll see when Salo gets the call up again, but I don't think it'll be that long. All right, Stefan, that's all the time we've got. Thank you so much for joining us, and hopefully we can do this again down the line. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And, of course, we thank the great Stefan Rosner for joining us. We'll try to get him on every couple of weeks to hang out, talk shop on the Islanders, because he's got, he's got boots on the ground, man. You know, I, I watch this team every game. I know the team pretty well. I know hockey pretty well. But to have a guy that's in the locker room chatting with the guys, chatting with Coach Lane Lambert, it's nice to see. And with that, we'll kind of get to the, the national view. We've also got a fun little segment coming up, which I'll call a starting lineup of Make It Halloween because it's spooky season here at the Believe in Islanders podcast. But we'll start with the top five, bottom five. And number one, give me Vegas. They've got a fi- fantastic lineup top to bottom. They're super deep. Bringing in Eichel really helps them with their center. They've got great defensive depth. My only concern is goaltending, but Logan Thompson's kind of a stud. He might be a sneaky pick for Rookie of the Year this season. Moving on, number two, Boston. I didn't like Boston this year. I thought they'd miss the playoffs, but 6-1 and one without Martian and McAvoy is impressive. The goaltending's been good. Sign me up for the Bruins, at least for now. Maybe they fall off. It's early, but you can't deny 6-1. and one. Number three, Carolina. Number four, Calgary. Number five, Dallas. They've got unreal goaltending. I mean, Jake Ottinger is special. And there's a really cool young crop of goaltenders in the NHL now that are really talented. And Jake Ottinger probably leads that list. You know, take out Shesterkin, take out Sorokin. They kind of come over a little bit later in their careers. But between Ottinger, you thought Demko was one of those pieces. Who else is in that mix? There's a handful of guys in that mix. Carter Hart is, is even in that mix now, believe it or not. 
Spencer Knight down in Florida. He's in the mix. He just got a big contract extension. So for Jake Ottinger to be in the mix as well is awesome. Just fantastic in that first-round playoff series last year against Calgary. But now let's get to the bottom five. And we'll start with 28. I wanted to leave them out badly. They faced a tough stretch of games. The Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils. But it's Anaheim. They're a fun team. They're a cool team to watch. They're currently losing 2-1. to one, Taking on the Tampa Lightning as we record the podcast. They're a fun team, but you've got one win. And you've got to be on the list. Number 29, the Arizona Coyotes. Their leading scorer earlier in the week, I'm not sure if it still is, was Shane Goss's bear. The defenseman. Who had like half a good season in Philadelphia. But Karel Vejmelka, he's pretty good in net. He's a sneaky good goaltender for a team that basically faces 45 shots allowed every single game. Number 30, they were going to be 29. And that was the Columbus Blue Jackets. Why are they 30? Well, the other night they lost 6-3 to the Coyotes. So, there you go. Number 31 and 32, the Sharks. Two wins over nine games. They're 31. Their goaltending's not very good. The defense took a step back after trading Brett Burns. And number 32, the the winless Vancouver Canucks. They're not this bad, but they're the only team without a win. They've kind of got to be 32. Demko's really struggled this year in net. And their backup hasn't been much better. When I look at Demko, I think, oh, a guy that's probably a sub three goals against average guy. And the team's giving up like four and change goals against, which is troubling. 429, scoring just 357, or 257, excuse me. That's a team that's kind of feels like they're starting to panic a little bit. You had JT Miller saying, look, we're going to get better. We're not this bad. I think he called out the fans maybe. But they'll be on their way and they'll be okay at some point as well. Uh, let's go to the save of the week. How about that? Or the play of the week. And who else but one Ilya Sorokin. We talked about him earlier in the show. 41 save shutout. I wish we could just play every single shutout for play of the week because they were or every single save from that shutout because he was spectacular. But the one we talked about earlier in the show, his save on Capo Caco in the first period was absolutely stunning. And that is our play of the week. Coming in one on three. Moves to the net. And now to our week ahead for the Islanders, Josh Bailey playing his 1,000th game in what should be the next game in Carolina. It's, it's kind of a shame that he didn't get it taking on the Rangers. Game 1,000 at home. Maybe he sits against Carolina and plays in Colorado. He had a nice game, though, today. I don't think you're, you're pulling a guy that's good that's hopefully supposed to help you win these games for a pretty important game against Carolina. But I'll give you my hot take, and it's not even a hot take because I truly believe it. And I think it's true. But the next goaltender, or the next Islander that is going to have his jersey retired to the Raptors at UBS Arena is going to be Josh Bailey. That's it. He should have his number retired when he retires in however many years it is. He's a, he's a special player to this team. He's been here forever. And when there was rumblings that he was going to get exposed and sent over to Seattle in the expansion draft, the money would be nice. And this is kind of a... Not a loser mentality or a loser way to think about it, but from a sentimental point of view, you need those forever players. And Josh Bailey is this era's forever player. There's only two other Islanders to reach 1,000 games with the team. And that's Dennis Popin and Brian Trottier. He's, he'll be, he'll, he's 15th in the franchise in goals. 
with 176. He's fourth in assists and eighth in points. Now, that says a lot about this team. It says that there's not that many talented players that played here. Ethan points, and he's got 555 points heading into the game against the Rangers. That's not great. It's like just over a point, half a point per game. But you know what? When you're here for a thousand games and you play through what Josh Bailey played through, the Coliseum, the asbestos things falling off the, the roof, the games that he's played in, the playoff games, the fact that he stuck through it with this team for his entire career after they badly developed him through the early stage of his career, that's a guy that I want his jersey in the rafters. He's this generation's Mr. Islander, and I'm glad he's reaching game 1,000, and I'm glad he's not getting sent to the moon or the LTIR at this point because he's got a little juice left in him, and he's Mr. Islander for a lot of, a lot of Islander fans at this point. So good on Josh Bailey for reaching game 1,000. Now looking at the actual season or the actual week ahead, Carolina-Colorado back-to-back is tough. And you've got to fly home after Carolina. Things kind of lighten up on Tuesday in Chicago, although they've played very well. They're not that bad early in the season. They've won some games. But if I'm the Islanders, give me three points at the minimum. I'd love four. If you can go 1-0-2 or 2-0, or 2-1, I should say, or 2-0-1, I would love that. Because I think you can beat Carolina. I think Colorado's tough, but they've got some injuries. No captain, no no Landeskog. You can beat them, hopefully. you got to take one of those games. Because if you lose both, it just, it, it's tough. 1-5 is, is not what you want. I can understand 2-4 against a really tough stretch with the Panthers and the Lightning losses and the Devils' tough loss. So give me at least three points in these next three games. Get me to November with a record that's right at 500 or maybe a game below. All right, that's enough for Islanders talk, but we'll get to the fun stuff now. I like to think of it as the fun stuff, and I hope you guys do too. Call it starting lineup, but make it Halloween. Halloween's a sneaky great holiday in hockey. A lot of great costumes. Back when Jack Eichel was at Boston University, he was the Easter Bunny in an iconic photo. The Bruins earlier this year were all characters from Mario. You had Luigi, Peach, Daisy, Bowser. It was awesome. So I'll give you some, my, my three-on-three overtime lineup. We'll start in net. A Reese's Cup, the stopper. Give me one, I'm satisfied. I don't need any more. Great rebound control. I'm not bouncing to another candy after Reese's Cup. So give me that. Now the complete opposite of the Reese's Cup is our defense, and that's peanut peanut M&Ms. I could pop those all day long like a stay-at-home D-man block shots. One after the other after the other. Love the good peanut M&M. That's our defense. You know, a little stocky. Maybe he's not the best at three-on-three, but he's going to block you shots. He's got a heavy shot of his own, and he's going to pass a dart to our winger, who's really the superstar on this team, and that's the Kit Kat. Snappy, right? You hit a snap, it's like a wrister. It's snappy. The long, lanky kind of guy. He's got some speed to him. He's got nice hands. And he's kind of your goal scorer. And he's got the speed factor. And our center, this is the best candy bar in the land, is the 100 grand bar. You need an elite center, and that's what the 100 grand bar brings you. Worth top dollar, just like the name suggests, right? That's worth every penny of that 100 grand. Maybe not the fastest because you slowly savor the 100 grand bar, but when it gets a good head of steam, 
Good luck stopping it. It's going to roll right through you, and it's a dangerous power forward. Kind of like if Rick Nash was a center and had a little more speed to him, that's the kind of play that 100 grand bar is. Vintage Rick Nash. Columbus Blue Jackets Rick Nash. All right, enough of that. Best bets of the week. We're 2-2 two and two through two weeks. Not bad. I love the over 6.5 in Ottawa, Minnesota. Ottawa without Cam Talbot for the start of the season. Minnesota struggled defensively the first handful of weeks of the season. I also like the over 6.5 in Vancouver and Seattle. Seattle's goaltending last year was a big question mark. I don't know how much better it's been consistently this year. You know, they've put up some good numbers. Matty Beniers is a stud. Thatcher Demko stinks right now for Vancouver on the flip side. So I think both those games could give you, you know, a 5-2, a 6-3 type of game. And those are the two games that I look at on our list here. And finally, our game of the week heading into it. I'm 100% watching the Coyotes home opener on Friday. The vibes will be electric. It'll be awesome. It'll be fun. Maybe not the best hockey against Winnipeg, but the atmosphere itself is must-watch. It might even feel like a playoff atmosphere, if I dare say it. And the final one that I've got, or I've got two more, actually. Saturday, Battle of Alberta. Just a gong show. No questions about it. And then Tuesday, Pittsburgh and Boston really interest me as the Islanders, who that's a team that's going to be battling out for a wild-card spot with two of these teams, potentially. And those were both old teams that I wrote off two weeks ago. I said they're too old, they're too hurt, they don't have the depth, but they're both above 500, and they've both got goal differentials of at least plus nine at the time of recording. So see those two teams play and see kind of who has the upper hand will be important because they might not sustain the skill and the points that they've had over the first couple games. So this might be an interesting kind of, maybe not a tiebreaker scenario, but every point matters against teams that are battling for playoff spots, and I think it'll be a really interesting matchup for the two. And that's all the time we have now for the Believe in the Islanders podcast. Thank you for joining. You know, I'd like to thank Stefan Rosner again for joining us. I hope you guys enjoyed next week. The Rangers to preview the Rangers next week even because they've got another matchup with the Islanders come up in two weeks. We'll see what they did on this tough road trip. Thank you guys for listening to the Believe in Islanders podcast. And make sure to follow us at Believe in Isles on Twitter. Follow me at MattWatley99. And I'll catch you guys next week right here on the podcast feed. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.